Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tennessee Twos Disc Golf Podcast, episode 38. My name is Daniel. Across from me is my host, co-host, Ethan. Hello. And uh, we don't, we don't know what's going on. This is just, we're here. We missed Tuesday again. Uh, what is Tuesday? Yeah. Today is Tuesday. Today is the correct Tennessee Tuesday. Uh, yeah. Fashionably late, but at least we made it this week. If you guys think it's Wednesday, you're wrong. It's Tuesday. Yeah. And I will not hear any other answers. Exactly. <laughs> it's our Tuesday in our hearts. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's how we feel. At yeah. least. Uh, See, nope. Tuesdays are for the boys. Wednesdays are for the guys. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Thursday is for the peoples. That's probably when y'all will be listening to it. Uh, well, just a reminder for you guys, if you are listening to this at a later date, we do host this show live on Facebook every single week. Feel free to come around, hang out in our chat, and talk to us. Give us your thoughts, comments, concerns, questions, whatever, man. We just love to hang out with you guys. We appreciate that you're listening in any capacity, truly. Absolutely. But we would love to have you here with us live. So if you guys are here on Facebook um, and you already follow us, but maybe you don't get the live notifications, make sure you hit up our channel um, and go to the page. Click the bell. There is a bell somewhere on the page, and it's going to have an options for when you get notifications. There is an option that says, hang on, I'm trying to I'm trying to promo here. And he's singing just, over me. I was background music. Thank you. It was beautiful. <laughs> listen, Linda. <laughs> Better get that listen, Don't be Linda, Linda counter started right already, now. Okay? All, right. all right, but if you are on our Facebook, make sure you head over, find that bell. There is an option that says notify for all live videos. We only go live when it's the show on Facebook, so definitely check that. It'll get you in here. You can join the show. You can always give us your questions, comments, concerns. We read as many of them as possible. Every now and again, we do have a higher show that, that a lot of people are in. We don't read as many of the comments, um, but, you know, we do our best to read everything that's pertinent. So, yes. um, and especially, you know, going into the offices in here coming up, we're going to have a lot more time um, and energy and not as much to talk about because we're not going to have so many recaps. There's going to be a lot more speculation as we go into hot stove season and see where players are moving and aren't moving. And that'll give you guys a, a, an extra opportunity to kind of hop in and tell us your thoughts about what's going on. Um, and, you know, we love to see that. So right. if you guys get a chance, number one, thank you for listening, no matter what platform you're listening on or watching from. Um, but uh, if you get a chance, please do check us out live. Yeah, absolutely. With that being said, we'll go ahead and get the show started. Uh, this show, and for the foreseeable future, is presented to you by Lone Star Disc. Uh, Lone Star Disc is a family-owned and operated disc golf manufacturer located in Conroe, Texas. Uh, they pride themselves on being the only disc golf manufacturer that currently produces, stamps, and ships its own product directly from Texas. Their main focus is to provide consistent and high-quality discs to golfers all over the world. With that being said, they have Halloween edition stamps right now. There's a Penny they do, they do. and a Walker. If you have not seen them, which I'm sure you have because Lone Star is one of the most booming disc golf businesses in the sport right now. Um, yeah, if you hadn't seen them, you need to go check them out. Um, and while you're there, Seriously. since we know if you see them, you're going to want to buy them, go ahead and use a code 
that we uh, so graciously um, have had now for the past uh, two weeks or so. Uh, the yep. code is Tennessee Twos, T N T W O S, just like that, all lowercase. Um, and that'll get you 5% off. Uh, so, yeah, why not save a little money while you're there? Yeah, uh, and I don't. I don't know that we did it in this particular episode. I, I don't have that particular information up in front of me right now, but we will make sure that going forward, like when we post these later tonight, that code will be in the description of all the episodes of the podcast. Um, and we will make sure it's in the description of the live video here on Facebook as well. So um, we'll make sure that the link to the website and the code are there for you in the descriptions going forward. Absolutely. And, like we said, this is not an affiliate link, nothing like that. This is simply them reaching out saying, hey, the listeners of your podcast should deserve a kickback because saying that, hey, they're listening to our boys. Uh, you know, that helps them out. That helps us out. It's a great return on investment. Um, and it shows that you're listening. So we really do appreciate it. Be sure to use that code. Um, and, I mean, all you yeah. got to do is click on the link in the – uh, in our description, go over to LoneStarDisc.com. You'll see anything and everything you could want. All right. Absolutely. Well, speaking of Lone Star, you okay. know, I played a tournament this weekend. Okay. Yeah, let's start and off with you your know, tournament first. You know, why not? Because who cares about the Pro Tour, right? What <laughs> is that? Pro Tour? It's not even not even a competition for right. me. I care in my about life. it as much as I do the <laughs> strawberry shake, which I so loving. The right only now. reason I, I <laughs> the only reason I say speaking of Lone Star when I bring this up is because one of the things that kind of happened this weekend was it was my first big tournament in a while um, due to work and you know some stuff that I'm not gonna get too deep into right now. Uh, I haven't been playing as much lately as I would like to. Wow, that is really bright, but it was too dark before. So sorry. Um, so I kind of went out there knowing that my arm speed, although I could probably push myself to have my max, you know, control distance available if I really wanted to, I, di I didn't want to push my arm that hard. So I found myself throwing discs I wouldn't throw in a lot of normal situations, um, basically disking up. If I would normally throw a five speed, I was kind of heading up to a seven speed um, with the exception of whatever my max distance throws were which there are a few on that course. I kind of just went with my normal game plan, but I didn't throw them as hard as I could um, and just played for position, which didn't hurt me in any way, shape, or form because those are all par fours. They're all reachable on the second shot, even if I lose 30, 50 feet. Right. So, but the disc I found myself relying on the most, uh, completely unexpected, were two things. Number one was the Chupacabra, and not how you think. You would think, oh, it was windy. He just was trying to get something. Oh, my gosh. I cannot handle this light. It's so bright. Oh, I turned it up. What am I doing? Oh, my gosh. If you guys can see this video right now. Oh, ooh. let's do that. Uh, Maybe mm, that's not great. Oh, uh, yeah. Good enough. There we go. <laughs> All right, there we go. So Chupacabra, and not how you would imagine. You might think, oh, it was a windy day, and he was just trying to find something that was going to, you know, fight the wind really well. It was not at all. I mean, the worst winds we probably saw was um, maybe a seven-mile-an-hour wind on a couple of direct headwind par fours, but didn't matter. I was throwing a ballista in those situations because par four. 
I'm, I'm trying to get some kind of distance, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm not trying to throw a nine speed out there like that. But I overhanded them. Uh, I overhanded a Chupacabra and a Lariat. Uh, but mostly the Lariat was only the one time, but the Chupacabra on like four different occasions to get <laughs> myself out of trouble from the woods. And the only lane I had was directly up. And every single time I was within 15 feet off of this summer yeah from every and all of them were at least 200 feet away for this approach out of the side woods just throwing it up with a hope and a prayer <laughs> that i could just get it there and i ended up within 15 feet all four times listen man i know that throwing thumbers hurts like when i threw the fourth one i kind of said like hey i told my card i was like hey don't let me throw anymore man my arm's gonna fall off by the end of the day if i keep doing this <laughs> Right, because I haven't played that much. I've got a baseball arm. I've got the motion doesn't hurt, but you got to warm that up. And I'm not. I was just happy to be playing yeah. this weekend. All right, but the other one that I found myself relying on a lot um, was the Mad Cat, and I was using them, using the Mad Cat in two different scenarios very often. Was anytime I was going to be, I would normally throw like a max distance buzz shot mm -hmm. i was throwing the mad cat it was it's really nice the mad cat has such a nice flip up and ride but it never turns over all the way um you know i never threw it directly into a big headwind or anything so it might turn in those situations i don't really know but you know in in really calm conditions and maybe i i probably only threw more than 75% power one time the entire day and so at 75% power, I was just getting a really nice flip up and ride out of it and a trusty left-handed fade, right. which is, you know, you usually don't get that fade out of the buzz the way that I throw it. So that was something I had to change in my game plan because I knew I was going to get that left-hand fade. I don't have any seven speeds, which is what I was trying to disc up to mm -hmm. um, to save my arm. I don't have any seven speeds or six speeds even that go straight and finish straight. Everything I have that either has a hook or full turns. Right. So it doesn't fade back at all. Um, so I had to make some major adjustments in my game plan to throw the Mad Cat. But let me tell you what, I threw the Mad Cat five or six times. I did not miss Circle One a single time with that disc. Yeah. Mad Cat. But the it's, Mad Cat is my mad. new baby. Yeah. It literally made me go out there and think to myself, like, I should rethink some parts of my game plan. Because right. there were some shots that I threw out there that it was too... I birdied one hole twice that I always struggle with because I can never nail in the distance right. I always come up short or long, um, and I never get the fade that I want. I either end up um, short of the it's, – it's like a puddle, reverse puddle island. So you get on top, and you're pretty much in the circle all, every time. You're always going to have a putt. If you end up on any of the sides, like outside of this raised hill, if you will, but it's flat on top, it, it doesn't make any sense – you you kind of have these weird weird putts at it because there's rocks on this hill around the right. edges of it as well and you end up with these just weird and i i never make it onto the hill and i just smoothed this mad cat out there both times just landed it 15 feet from the basket Heck and yeah. i was like i was like you know when i get my get, get some of my arm speed back a little bit i might have to take a little more off maybe throw a 60 60 percent instead of like 75 mm -hmm. but i think that's a good really thing. good to it feels really good to smooth this mad cat out as opposed to kind of you really pop up a, an overstable mid range. Right. 
because um, it takes it takes some juice to get a walker out three hundred thirty feet, man. Yeah, no, that thing is it's, it's beefy. That's some that's some juice. Hey, I'll tell and you what, though, my arm doesn't have that juice right I now. I cannot wait. Speaking of the walker, I I went ahead. I had to grab me one of those glow Halloween walkers. I need one so Dude, bad. Dude, I can. The stamp on it's just so good. The it's problem a, is, Wednesday, is right? it's gonna get here, huh? Today's, today's Wednesday? Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I get paid tomorrow. I'm getting one. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Heck yeah. With the uh, the code TN twos. But of course. But of course. But of course. But of course. <laughs> but but of yeah. course. No. All right. Well, so 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 it's not gonna get here when? What? You said it's not, but it's not gonna get here and. Oh no! It should be here like tomorrow. Yeah. Nice. No, I mean my favorite thing is like they're always so quick with it. Like I love that they're like a Halloween edition, but it's also the face of the White Walkers. Halloween on it either. You know what I mean? It's just like a zombie edition for Halloween. And I smart. love that because so all the time I I hate getting the ones that say Halloween edition yes. or something like that. It makes me feel like if I'm throwing it in March and I'm like, Ugh, yeah, I guess. exactly. I'm the same way. I'll take them right out of my bag <laughs> if they say Halloween. You know what I mean? I don't know why, but yeah, <laughs> it's like, so, am I gonna put these back in next Halloween? Probably not. Probably <laughs> not. So, but that's if you're why a Game I'm very of Thrones excited fan, about these, oh yeah, you know. And you get you get an opportunity to co- throw a really really cool disc all year round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. All right. So this thing happened this last week. Um, I think it was called like USDGC or something. Nah, I'm pretty sure you got that wrong. Oh, uh, TPWDGC. Ah, uh, that one doesn't ring a bell either. I don't know. You're just spitting words out that, that, <laughs> yeah, that aren't like even that words. <laughs> There were some disc golf tournaments. I saw them on Disc Golf <laughs> Network. I couldn't tell you much about it. I think them. he's talking about the United States Disc Golf Championship and the Throw Pink's Women Throw Pink Women's Disc Golf Championship. <laughs> Don't anonym or anagram or whatever what is it called when you just take the first letter and put it in like USDGC? I don't. What are you talking about, man? Dude, you know what I'm talking about. Don't you do this to me. Don't you do this to me. Don't make it look like I'm the dumb one, okay? <laughs> you know you what I'm told talking me about. You didn't know what USDGC was. I can do whatever I want. I, I was just playing along. <sighs> yeah, so I can play along, too. Okay. Like, yeah, do you know what it's called? Like, legit? No? Bananagram? You're the worst. All right, so going into USDGC, um, if you were in here last week, um, you seen me uh, pick the young gun uh, to win it all. Okay, this this did happen. I picked Gannon Burr over Paul McBeth, over Ricky Wysocki, over Chris Dickinson. I did it. And guess who won? Gannon Burr, the young gun himself. 17-year-old, the youngest player to ever do it. And I... Probably will be the youngest player to ever do it. That's what I'm thinking. Like, we say that, but... I'm saying it so that maybe it'll come to fruition that we're wrong. It may be. It's It's just like... He's so good. That's what you call a tactic. Yeah, he's so good. 
I mean, look, when when push came to shove, we were going to have a first time either way. When, yeah, when, either way. When it was coming down to the very end and you had Niklas Antila and Gannon Burr, you either were going to have the first European winner of all time. And he would have, I can't remember, He they, they say he's what, about 20 or 21, as it were. Um, so he would have been probably pretty close, depending on his actual birthday, to the youngest winner of all time as well. Yeah. But on the other side, you would have had an absolute guarantee the youngest winner of all time, not even an adult yet. Bro can't even vote. Somebody commented back to me when I said, I don't know who to root for. You either get the first European winner of all time or you'll, you'll have the youngest champion ever uh, of USDGC. And somebody said, well, does it help if I tell you that the other guy can't vote either? And I'm like, oh, that does what? make sense. What? No, it doesn't. He he is a citizen of a country over the age of 18 where the voting age is 18. Just because he can't vote in the United States that's doesn't what he mean he meant. can't vote. That's what he meant. I don't Yeah, but it was that's a dumb sentiment. See, I think he can't to say he can't <laughs> vote. Like does it help you if he if I say the other guy can't vote either? No, because he can vote, just not in our country. <laughs> I don't think they vote. They do in Finland. I looked it up to be sure. Oh, okay. Well, well I don't know what's not. I wasn't going to give him a snappy comeback if I wasn't sure. And I, I looked it up, so. and then I and then I, after looking it up, I got really bored, and I was like, I'm not even going to – I'm not even going to respond to this guy. <laughs> well, see, that would have been where I actually so I just sent him a GIF with like a – I don't even remember what it was. It was just like, oh, it's that one – you know that – that gif of of russell westbrook where he goes what oh yeah i just sent him that i was like what i don't know what to do with he you. never responded no <laughs> he never responded that's <laughs> just coming around to troll uh but i mean uh, one way or another that that was that was pretty exciting that was one of the coolest battles we've seen coming down usdgc in a while i think yeah um I mean, you could say last year's between Macbeth and Kyle Klein was better, maybe the overall battle, but I found this much more exciting, knowing, number one, that coming down the stretch there, we were guaranteed for a first-time winner. Right. We were guaranteed for a first time this type of person had ever won. You know? And yeah. that was that was just really cool. We were guaranteed... For the first time, somebody of a particular group or demographic that had never won the event would win the event. Yeah, coming down the stretch, it was. I felt bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was rooting for for Heinberg all the way. Like we said, this has kind of been our root for Heinberg season, and yeah. I really, really wanted to see Heinberg just get himself one major. So I was rooting for him down the stretch there. Um, but the ending we got, I think, was so much better than just Heinberg winning. Yeah, general. I do too, and it made me look smart. So, <laughs> I mean, who? There's not very many people that pick Ganon Burr. I don't think that's true. I, I saw a lot, I saw it a lot more often than I think you would think. Then I because think here's the thing: think. The, here's here's the one thing that you have to remember is that like for for Ganon Burr, it comes down to his history with the event as well the first tournament i ever watched there are literally videos of him as a 12 year old throwing the same shot on 18 it was all over 
all social medias mm-hmm. for the last you know few days of that shot he threw on eighteen as like a ten year old or twelve year old. Could you imagine being you know, a ten or twelve year old being able to walk out there and just sling discs just rip like and be amazing? I thought I just thought it was really cool watching the side by sides of that and seeing how similar his form is still. Like that's that's it's amazing. It's kind of to, impressive to, to be honest think about. that he just mastered his craft and what, it's it, constantly doing it's, it. But it's not just that he mastered his craft. It's amazing that somebody at his age put that much effort into form um, and technique. Mm-hmm. Because at that age, it's so hard to. You you might do, like, little parts. Like, at that age, you know, we talk about Think of it as a, you know, go ahead and get another counter ready for, you know, a baseball reference. When you teach, and this one comes more, I'm using baseball as a reference because I've taught baseball. When you teach that age group, um, you you pick little things. Like in, in terms of disc golf, what you would pick is, you know, make sure you're reaching all the way back. That's probably the one thing he's going to really focus on. After he really gets that and nails that down to muscle, muscle memory, you're going to work on the next thing. Pulling the elbow through at the proper states or, or um, you know, angle control, whatever it might be. But it, it, like in baseball, it was simple things you always focused on. Right. You know, um, driving your hand at the ball or, you know, keeping your elbow tucked properly, pointing your glove towards the catcher as a pitcher, whatever it might be that would be considered correct at the time. But Gannon Burr had a form and technique at, I, I want to say it was probably, if he's 17, I want to say that video was six years ago, if I remember correctly. So that would have put it put it at eleven. At eleven years old, approximately. Please don't quote me on that. At eleven years old, he essentially had the form he's using right now, which means he had an advanced technical motion at eleven years old. That in baseball, that was yeah. something we wouldn't have expected until fourteen or fifteen. And he's maybe still growing, thirteen for for better players. Which well, yeah, is, which is crazy. But it's that he's like, been able to keep that form with his body changing the way that it has. And think about how like how hard he had to work at the age of 11 to have created a technically sound form. Yeah. Because you uh, anybody who is listening to this show probably likes disc golf enough to have gone out and played with some friends before. Yeah. Otherwise you probably wouldn't be listening to the show. And let me tell you what, I guarantee you you have watched people or brought people out to disc golf with you for their first time and it's the hardest thing to watch in the world. And then you have the people who really like disc golf, but they're not like they're not fanatic about it the way that we would think of Gannon Burr was at that age. Yeah. And they like it enough to get better at some things. In other words, they get good enough to think that they could play at par. And that's that's kind of their goal. They get some birdies here and there, great, but they bogey a lot too. But that's all right. They're making it through the course at a pretty average level, and that's all the good they'll ever get. And their form is meh. Yeah. Gannon Burr at eleven years old had professional form. Yeah. But that's what it takes to be competitive. That's why he's so competitive in this day and age. Um, but, yeah. So, really, really good job out there, Gannon. Um, this was his first major um, of this- more to come, I would, I would assume. We said it earlier in the year. Uh, actually, I wouldn't doubt it if we didn't say it after Vegas, to be honest. Um so I think we did. We yeah. I don't know that we said USDGC, but no, we said we that just he said was, wins. 
uh, in general. We, we basically said he would be a two to three time world champion by 2025, which was only three years away. So yeah, well, maybe not 2025, <laughs> 2030 though. I, I, no, I mean, I'm that was that was essentially what we said. We yeah. kind of said it as a little bit of a joke, but basically yeah. we said something along those lines that he was going to win the next two to three, yeah, uh, world championships. I mean, uh, I I can see I can see it, truly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, there are some things that he needs to work on, and that's true of everybody. Let's look absolutely. at Paul McBeth. Paul McBeth is the champion of all champions in the professional scene today's day and age. The dude has things to work on. Oh yeah, everybody so, does. You know, don't don't get a. I don't. I just don't want anybody getting offended by me saying Gannon has things to work on. I, I'm not saying he's not. He didn't deserve this win or anything. Paul, like the best player in the world, uh, and Ricky Wysocki, who is ranked the best player in the world, has things to work on. Uh, so he has things to work on, and you know, so on and so forth. But I, I have no problem saying that you can keep your eye on him. He's going to be. I would be willing to bet, even as of right now, in my mind, you can expect to win. I think you can expect to see Gannon win more majors over the next five years than Ricky. I think so too. I don't. I don't even think that's that hot of a take. I mean, honestly, I think I think it's a little bit of a hot take because I, if you if I said ten years, yes, obvious, duh. Yeah. But five years, this five years is probably what I think both Ricky and Paul have left in the competitive tank. I think in well, terms of I think of being, Ricky, I think Ricky will have more, but Ricky's still young. It just depends on his health, to be honest. Um, he struggled with yeah, it but, quite but, a bit this year. That, that's the thing is that Ricky doesn't have or Paul doesn't have the health issues that Ricky does. No. So that's going to give him a few extra years, and Ricky struggles. And as he gets older, the struggles – but when you hit 30 and you are a healthy adult male, your body changes. Mm -hmm. And you still become tired more easily. You're sore more easily. All of these things. Um, But, for example, I'm 28 right now, and in this tournament, halfway through the first rounds – I had a really bad slip on a hole um, coming off the front of a tee pad where my foot slipped into a hole and I rolled over my ankle to the point where the sole of my shoe was essentially touching my calf. (laughs) And if I was probably two or three years older, that would have been it. That was the end of the tournament, man. I would not have gotten up and continued playing. I was at... I was legitimately afraid when I fell because of how bad it was, not because of how much it hurt, but because of how bad it was that I I thought it was broken a hundred percent. But I also know how my body is deteriorating as it are being somebody who's been athletic as as long as I have and how quickly, how much more quickly your body deteriorates once you hit the big 30. And if I was two or three years older, that probably would have, I would have snapped a ligament. I would have broken something more than likely just based <laughs> on the fact that my body is getting older. All, it's, of, it's a, all of these, all of these guys out here that are thirties to forties, like, what are you talking about? I'm still good. I'm not saying you're not good. I'm saying <laughs> that your body handles less stress, the older that you get. And that is for healthy adult males. Ricky struggles with a disease that is not curable. Yeah. And that disease is going to take more and more of a toll on him year after year. 
with what we saw this year, if he has that flare up this year, next year, it might take an extra week or two to heal simply yeah, because he's a year older. Consistently and getting a little worse. Year after year after year. And those fla- and it becomes not just like you, it's not just flare up management. At at some point you he's going to have to um consider that his body cannot handle the stress of both you know, trying to reduce the risk of those flare-ups and play competitively. Right. So I think Ricky has less years than you're thinking because of that. Yeah. I guess only time will tell. Right, so I wanna... think I personally, I think, I think Ricky and Paul reached the point. Cause I I've, I've said it on, on the show a couple of times. Paul's going to reach a point where he's going to stop touring and he's only going to play majors. And I think Ricky and Paul reached that point at a very similar stage. Potentially in, in, in the timeline, simply because of that. Ricky has a better chance than Paul, I think, to make it a few years longer if he can stay healthy. But I think reasonably you could say that Paul and Ricky switch from full-time touring to um, special events and majors only around the same time. Yeah. Well, and so that's wanna... why that's why I think with with that being said, I do think it is a hot take to say that I think Ricky reasonably has five legitimate competitive years left, where he's going to be at the top of the game and be considered the best rated if not top three rated player for net the next five years and to say Gannon burr is going to win more majors in that time frame i think that's a pretty hot take yeah i guess i just don't you know yeah you don't think just, about it like with that much analytical well it's I just not that hard of a take to me it, i'm sure it is to some people though it's because you agree with me uh it's nothing feels like a hot take when when somebody agrees with you. Yeah. It's only a hot take when somebody disagrees with you. You're right. To be fair, I can make any of the hot takes I want. If nobody disagrees with me, it's not a hot take. Exactly. I can yeah. say Paul, Paul Paul Macbeth doesn't win another tournament, whether it's a major or a C tier, for the rest of his life. And if nobody comments back and says, oh, "That's the dumbest thing you've ever said," it's not a hot take. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's sorry, the dumbest thing you ever said. There you go. That's a hot take. All right. All right, now it's on thick. Uh, well, Good thing I don't believe it. Go ahead and run us down the list uh, of USDGC. Okay. Yeah, we're we're not going to spend too much more time on it. Um, really, just <laughs> not a hot take. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I guess. Yeah. I guess Paul McBeth pa- isn't winning Paul, another tournament Paul's for the rest of his life. Paul's not even winning Sorry, a C tier. Uh, pa- pa- Pablo's not winning again, guys. Maybe at a doubles event where he has a teammate that can carry him. <laughs> Maybe. All right, guys. So as it were, Gannonburg took down the win, chased very closely by Niklas Antilla. Um, the separation was number one, circle two putting. Gannonburg was lights out that last round from everywhere. It didn't matter where he was. He was putting it, and he was going to put it in. Um, his confidence on hole 17 is what won him the match, in my mind, because um, that was the scariest putt I have ever seen, given the scenario to... That that could have gone. He could have missed low, and that could have bounced over the hay bales. That's how close that basket is to that OB. Um, and he put it in from sixty feet, like yeah. it was practice round. Um, so hole seventeen, in my mind, that's where Gannon wins. Niklas really needed to nail that putt on seventeen. The good news is that he knew he needed to make it because Gannon made it, and he gave it a run. He didn't soft it or lay up or anything like that. And he just came up a little bit short on that putt. Um, but did birdie 18 through a hell of an upshot on 18 to make it close. Nick Lust did. Um, so very impressed with that. 
Calvin Heinberg taking third. Um, honestly, derailed by hole 10. You're talking the, the most eagleable hole on the course, and he takes a seven, whereas Gannon takes a two. So yeah. I've seen a push stat comes to, show, to where, uh, you know, the hole 10, just, just hole 10 through the last two rounds, and Gannon was uh, two under. Yep. Calvin was – no, 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 no. What was it? It was for the tournament, and Gannon was five under. And oh, Cal- yeah, Calvin, Calvin was, was one two, over, two over, one or two yeah, over, like yeah, that. yeah. So I mean, your poor boy. I mean, that's Just that's literally that's a that's a five stroke swing on hole ten. Yeah, and they finished separated by four strokes. Yeah. So Calvin played himself out of the tournament, unfortunately, with just one hole. Yeah. Paul Macbeth. Um, it was a good tournament. Not great. Not terrible. He really. He, Hole 16 was just a thorn in his side. You might look back and say, well, he birded it round one. Yeah, he birded it with like a 60-foot throw-in, if I remember correctly. Uh, Your boy got worked by a hole that was aced this weekend. Right. Um, And if the best player can't go out there and make the proper adjustment on a hole like 16 where, yeah, you know, it's a tough hole, but the best player in the world or the best player to ever play the game. And he's not making that adjustment. He's not going to win the tournament. Hole 16 is basically my, this is why he didn't win. If you, if you can't figure it out, just go watch him play hole 16 over and over again. And you'll see why. Right. Matty O. Matty O had a great performance, especially the final day, 10 down to get himself into fifth position. Um, and bogey free bogey free and a 10 down uh, at Winthrop is immaculate. That's I, that's awesome to see. Isaac Robinson matched him with that same thing, putting himself all the way up into sixth position, up nine spots by doing so, with a bogey-free 10 down. Ricky Wysocki and Joel Freeman tied at uh, seventh. Ricky had a really solid round outside of basically two holes. 17, he um, took the five, but he did kind of make up for that with the eagle on 10, so that kind of washes. Um, he kind of made a little bit of a charge, but just... He was never in it. You know, he was always a few strokes too far back from day one to day four. Yeah. He was always just one or two strokes too far back, and that collectively put him 10 strokes back after the weekend was over. Right. Um, as for Joel Freeman, Joel Freeman showed signs of greatness throughout the weekend on a couple of different different occasions. He just wasn't able to show those signs of greatness for – full rounds at a time right um you know he showed why he's special but he's got to start pulling those special rounds from front to back three out of four days if he wants to be a winner um in a four-day tournament i always say you have one you can fluff and you have three perfect performances you need to put out there and that's what it's going to take to win in a three-day tournament you don't even have the data fluff yeah and joel freeman has is this close to throwing those perfect rounds but he needs to start doing it on three out of the four days, and he could have been up there with Niklas and Gannon. Kyle Klein, um, he was pressing the final day. Uh, he finished ninth, uh, 12 strokes back of Gannon Burr. He started the day um, three over through the first four holes. Kyle was trying too hard. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Um, he knew he was close. And he knew he had an opportunity to apply at least a little bit of pressure. And he just he just tried a little bit too hard. 
Um, not bad, though. No, I, I mean, don't blame him at all. Yeah, he he knew when he walked up to hole one on the final day that he needed to put something special together. Yeah. Nate Sexton. Tied for 10th. Tied for 10th had a bogey-free six-down round on the final day, um, which moved him up into the top 10 by doing so. Yeah. So, uh, like you such know, a Nate Sexton thing, too. Yeah, bogey-free six-down. Safe golf. Yep. He only took one OB the entire um, final day, and it was on hole 10. He was probably pushing for the eagle. Yeah. So here's the thing is you have a whole, like, you know, 10 where if you play your cards right, it's an eagle or a par. And right. you shouldn't have an issue with the par if you don't get the eagle. Yep. So, you know, it is what it is. It was, that was one of the interesting things that I did think out of Niklas was watching him play hole 10 consistently for birdie instead of going for, you know. I mean, when push comes to shove, if you're not making that shot consistently, like, you know, maybe he was struggling in his practice rounds with that shot – Three out of four days with a birdie is way better than um, a bogey and eagle. In an my eagle. opinion, or even just a, a an eagle and three pars. Yeah. You know, it, it, because it's also a confidence builder when you know you're making the shots that you need to. It is a confidence dropper when you go up to a hole like ten and you end up with a bogey. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So sure. I like that he didn't. He never wavered from, from his game plan when it came to, especially like hole ten. Um, he never wavered, and that was that was cool to see. But uh, yeah, anyways, he definitely I mean, had the pressure on Gannon. That's that's what it is. That's what push come to sh came to shove. Um, Gannon won the tournament because you know of his outstanding throwing, his composure, um, and his putting, especially. But. The moment he won the tournament in my eyes was that putt on 17. That was he. That was when he did something special for me. Right. I seen your tweet about that. So. Yep. What about uh, Throw Pink? You want to cover Throw Pink? Yeah. Um, give me just a second here. I'll get it pulled up. Um. Um. Already got in the chat. Uh, they commented before I started going over the recap. Um, Shakedown was in here. If you guys don't remember, we did an episode of Shakedown Dies. Episode Check nine. it out if you haven't. Shakedown was in here, um, just kind of chiming in on the fact that what I said wasn't really a hot take, and that he believes if Gannon plays the way he has, he'll consistently be rated higher than Rick. And as you said, Rick doesn't have a lot of years left due to the stress on his body and age. Gannon will have more majors. So. I'm glad you agree with me. If somebody doesn't agree with me on that take, I might get that one out on Twitter just to see if people aren't going to agree with me on it. Um, but, you know. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Da, 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 da. Um, yeah, we're going right. we to learn today. We're going to learn today. Uh, speaking of learning, here is your uh, top ten in the Throw Pink Women's Disc Golf Championship. Uh, is also played on Winthrop. Uh, I wish that it was just... The women's USDGC. Maybe one day, uh, the Throw Pink can still sponsor it. That that would be great. I love that. But I wish it was uh, a major. However, yeah. it is not. It's just an A tier, but still holds a lot of um, relevance and importance to the players. So uh, taking that down in first place was Katrina Allen. 
at 16 down, shot a one down final round. Um, in second place, Kristen Tatar, uh, shooting 13 down and shooting a four down final round. Uh, also shooting a four down final round was Hannah Blomroos, uh, coming in third at 12 down. Um, in fourth place, you had Missy Gannon. Seems like she's really just clinged to that right outside the podium spot this year. <laughs> um, a little bit, yeah. It's it's like she's always she's a great pick for top five. Um, but she uh ended the tournament at seven down, shooting a two down final round. Uh, then in fifth we had Haley King, uh, shooting a three down final round. Uh, at six down total. Then in sixth we had Sarah Holcomb, uh, finishing at four down. Uh, she hurt herself a little bit. She shot a four over on the final round. Uh, Natalie Ryan yep. in seventh at three down uh, for the tournament, shooting at one down on the final round. On Scoggins in eighth uh, at two down. She also shot a four over on the final round. Um, and then tied for ninth is Holland Hanley and Evelina Solonen at one down for the tournament. Uh, the only difference here is, oh, excuse me, um, <laughs> Holland shot a five down. Uh, I believe that was the hot round for the final day. Nope, it was not. Um, no. It was close to being the hot round for the final day. Uh, five down uh, for the final round, and that put them at one down for the tournament. Evelina shot even. Um, right behind that, since we were talking about hot round, um, Jennifer Allen. Uh, and Paige Pierce tied for 11th. Uh, Paige shot a one one down, and Jennifer Allen shot six down. And I do believe that was the hot round. Yeah, it was tied for the hot round. Um, I believe it was Emily Beach who yep. shot Emily Beach also shot down. a six down. Yep, 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 yep. I'm trying to find... So, uh, we'll go to own. I want to start with own. Um, I okay, was... I was pulling for own this whole weekend. I've never pulled for own so hard. <laughs> and I mean, that last, the, that last round was so heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, she was basically one, two, three, two, three, four, three, two, three. So she was three down until she got to the T of 17 and she went collectively um, 15 strokes between 17 and 18, which is par eight total between yeah. the two. Um, and she did that a couple of different times this weekend where she just kind of, she went out and, and got to a hole and just broke my heart. And I got stuck. Yeah. It was so hard to watch on a couple of different occasions, but she, she broke my heart a couple of different times. I, I will be completely honest. Uh, Cause I was, I was pulling for her. Um, Kristen Tatar, I mean, no surprise that she's there. Hannah, no surprise that she was there. I think Hannah really had the best chance to push Katrina there at the end. She came, uh, she took that bogey on eight. She um, eagled nine as the bounce back. You don't hear that very often. Bounce back eagle. eagle. Right. um, To go birdie, 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 and then hit 13 and stalled from 13 through 17, just par all the way down. So. Yeah. 
that was that was your chance. Uh, if anybody was going to press Katrina for the win, because um, Kristen was was trying, but she was kind of up and down a little bit throughout the round and really for most of the weekend. Right. Um, she had basically one really hot day, which was day three, in my opinion. And it was really not that it was she was great on day three so much as she was just better than everybody else on day three. Um, and, you know, she she tried to put on a little bit of push. But I think Henna was the one that had the opportunity in in my mind. Um, Haley King did some really great things, just she a did. hole she here and a hole well. there. Um, you know, similar to Own, just not quite as bad uh, for herself as Own was. Yeah, unfortunately, Sarah Hokum. Sarah Hokum was Sarah Hokum. I mean, she had some good holes, she had some bad holes, but for the most part, she Sarah Hokum is like the Nate Sexton of FBO. She's going to uh she's going to be the person where when you see her going out of bounds you're kind of like she really went out of bounds there right that that's that's kind of what you think of um you know safe golf is good golf natalie ryan i didn't get to see a whole lot of the coverage i don't don't know what she was doing Um, yeah personally i'm not sure that i personally saw a lot of her shots um i didn't really see a lot of anyone other than the top card um the at, cameras at were parts. and and it wasn't even the top cards it was the camera I, i'll be honest in terms of coverage i did not like the coverage of either sides of the event yeah um like what they tried to do with the coverage was awesome the, the goals in in mind uh the camera decisions though whoever was in the booth making the camera decisions not a big fan um and you guys can agree with me disagree with me feel free to let me know personally i felt like uh it didn't really matter what cards you want you just had to be playing at a certain level to be shown yeah um there were a lot of times where there were players on the lead card that weren't shown at all for two or three four five even holes at a time um the lead the chase card wasn't really a chase card it was a chase player and then the three other players if they weren't playing to a certain level you never even knew that I didn't uh, I don't remember what day it was and I want to say it was MPO side so USDGC not throw pink right literally it was just chase player one of those days and the rest of the chase card was not even shown for like nine holes in a row basically except when they had a break so in other words the lead card had holed out and whoever was the hot player that they were following on another hole wasn't doing anything yeah in other words, walking from from basket to the next tee, that was when we saw who was ever whoever was on the chase card. Otherwise, it was just one player at a time. I didn't really appreciate that. Um, right. There were, and when we talk about live coverage in the way that we do, where there's a lot of standing around happening everywhere, and we're filming people standing around doing nothing as opposed to watching the chase card, which we have four players available, but you're only showing us the one player who has the hottest round of them. Right. The only time that I was to... I was okay with it was like at the beginning when lead card was about to tee off, right. um, you know, kind of seeing how they interact with each other, like um, seeing everybody match up their hand size to Corey Ellis. I thought that was pre- <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, I'm actually surprised that Corey Ellis has that big of hands. Um, he can palm a zone yeah, on nope. the top side. That's the nope. Don't like that. That is a uh, big hand. Uh, he had Gannon almost by a fingertip. 
I mean, I guess that's not that big. No. Uh, so on the top side. I. Yeah, I have small hands. I mean, that's my hand compared to a rock. Yeah, put your thumb. Around and I have the small hands. Of it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not. It's not really that big. I put my hands against some, you know, football players and basketball we've players. Seen, it's not, uh, we've seen. It, it is. It is a. It is a large hand. Don't do not get me wrong, but it's not like freakish or anything. I feel like it was pretty freakish. Maybe you're just uncomfortable with things out of your ordinary, and we know you have small hands. I do. And that's, I have I have small hands. I think you our hands. Bert. No, I think our hands are like the same size. No, I could. We di- we did the test. Remember, because I was like, you think a Luna is is deep, and I was able to wrap oh. my fingertips over the top of your hands. And you were like, you're like, yeah, see, I have small hands. And I was like, no, I have small hands. You have Burger King hands. My, I cannot <laughs> even, I can, I'm six foot. I cannot palm a basketball. That's how small my hands are. I have small hands. You have the Burger King commercial hands. No. All right. So I understand I hold why you, I, <laughs> I understand why you think that, you know, Corey's <laughs> hands might be freakishly large. I'm just compared saying, to just, right. yeah, that they're really big. Well, Gannon Burr is like six foot 30 and. He Coriolis had bigger hands than Gannon. He's also seventeen, and he probably has two or three more years for his hands to continue growing. Yeah, but still, <laughs> my bad for making a logical argument there. That, no, <laughs> I shouldn't have done I it. Get, that was no, that was against that the was, rules. That was tasteless on my part. <laughs> to, yeah, so was that body armor when it came back up. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't. That wasn't. I'm, I just have a runny nose. Uh-huh. My allergies have been really bad with the uh, changing of the leaves mm-hmm. and the pollen of the air. Yesterday, I swear, yesterday I sounded like this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like Squidward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, too. That's okay. Um, so, yeah, that uh, pretty much wraps up USDGC and Throw Pink. Well, um, let's give Let's give Katrina her time. She deserves it. We we didn't really yeah give her her time. Um, and I got to be honest, I never would have picked her given the season she's had so far. My thought process was basically, you know how Paige talked about herself as like I just don't have that killer. I instinct don't have anymore. that killer instinct right now, and I don't care to get it back. That's how I mentally perceive Katrina right now. That is my mental perception of her in the second half of the season. Um, so, and I I gotta be completely honest. I'm not saying that nobody picked her. I'm sure there were some people who picked her because she is still a top talent in the FPO division, top five in terms of talent level. But I, I never would have picked her in a million years. I was not ready. I was not prepared. Um, we all know Katrina has what it takes to be the best in the world. Yeah. Um, she started off this season incredibly hot yeah uh just kind of fizzled and then it's it's a good thing i mean she heated up at the right time uh usdgc uh maybe worlds would have been a little better but still um you have a world championship under your belt uh two of them actually and a usdgc title existing at worlds this year as well yeah and Mm. yeah i i mean i just thoroughly impressive performance overall you know the final day you could tell she was kind of struggling to keep it together yeah 
Um, uh, she was playing stay afloat. You know what much. I mean? Uh, try to she, fend off, try to get through this round, get through the hole, get through the hole, get through the hole. And now, to be fair, you have to consider how great her performance was days one, two, and three to absolutely. be able to play that game at Winthrop on the final day. Yeah. To have the lead to be able to play that style of golf on the final day is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. So, I mean, absolute kudos to her. Yeah, she did amazingly. Um, but it was... She left a lot of strokes out there, too. I, you know, like, she was in position... A lot of players left some strokes out there. You're right, you're right. But she was in position <laughs> to have scored mightily uh, yeah. at, at throw pink. So... She didn't have to. I mean, I I got to be honest. I almost didn't watch the final day. You knew that I saw she was going to win. Well, and I saw the lead, and I was playing in my own disc golf tournament, and I kind of just I, I didn't open my phone for the first couple of holes because I was just like, "Wow, that lead." Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like what is there to see? Go ahead and crown your champion. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Speaking of the crowns, uh, the trophies. Way to go, USDGC. And throw pink. Like, great job. Those trophies were cool. Uh, They were. I still think... much. Do I think we could get better? Yes. But do I think this is hands down (laughs) one of the best ones we've seen this year? Yeah. I still think that I would like to see um, a trophy that's more recognizable. I don't think yeah. either of those trophies really hold that like iconic look that I would want from a major. Um, but I think that those would be the kind of trophies I would like to see on the pro tour going forward. Yeah. Like if any pro tour event major elite had one of those trophies, I would have been happy. I still want to see majors with like an iconic look though. Something that is the same every single year. And you yeah. see that trophy and you know, so, that was USDGC. Right. Right. I mean, we think about that with the like the preserve, you know, the preserve right. has with the that, bear and the propeller, the big bear. I, uh, it's yeah, it's just one of those things, you know. You know, it's like you you want it, you want to see, um, you want to see like the NBA Finals trophy or the Lombardi trophy, right? The World Series trophy, those are just so iconic, and they change them slightly from year to year. Stanley Cup. They're yeah. always it's it's an iconic trophy, and that's what every major deserves, I think. Yeah. But it was definitely a step in the right direction. I think so 100%. as well. I think so as well. Um, yeah. Baby steps, but we took baby. a baby step there. So baby yeah, steps. shout out to them. Um, yeah. So um, congrats to Katrina. Congrats to Gannon. Mm-hmm. Um, I it was uh. I, I was surprised to see Gannon get emotional. Um, the way that he he fended it off, he fended it off very well. I will say that. Um, yeah. He's just such a like. I most of you have um, followed someone related to disc golf that knows Gannon on social media. Seems like Gannon never posts much, but like everybody that hangs out with him is always posting Gannon. <laughs> right because he's just a kid he's silly you know like he he does funny things uh so you get to see a lot of that side of him but when he's playing disc golf he's you know very concentrated he's, very focused 
and he's uh, serious to the point that you know it, when when we say like hey he needs he needs to work on some things sometimes one of the things i think he needs to work on is actually being a little less serious yeah but particularly about himself on the course yeah you know yeah um that that is the level of serious that he is out on the course right and he's not like hateful or anything like that no it's just like it's like a laser focus seriousness like just like one of those things where you know sometimes you're talking like he throws a bad shot sometimes he gets a little too angry at himself kind of focus like sometimes you gotta you gotta do a little better job of brushing that off in the future or stuff like that not like not like he's out there like you know like ricky throwing discs at his uh caddy or anything like yeah (laughs) yeah uh yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, no, Ganon's not like that. Um, I, I, I don't know when it. It kind of got me when his mom came up and hugged him. I, I'm not gonna lie. It, and then like, he was about it for a minute, and then like the hug just continued, and I was like, oh, it's happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it. It, it, was, it was a great moment. Uh, sometimes, you know, your mom needs to cry just as much as you do. You yeah, know what I mean? it was a great <laughs> moment. It truly was. That was baby bird just spread his eagle wings and flew and for the first major. time. One a major. <laughs> At... <laughs> um, yeah. And Katrina. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She, she's been on that stage. You know, she she's definitely... Yeah accustomed to winning and i know this one meant a lot considering how it's been rough lately so i'm really glad that she was able to staple another one into uh, her sheet of dominance yeah well that's that's gonna wrap up our overall recap of uh throw pink and usdgc um i don't know (laughs) i don't know um so I want to bring up. I want to bring up something. A word from. Oh yeah, our go ahead. Other sponsor first. I, you, Absolutely. You go ahead. I just want to make sure it gets in right at this moment. Yep. All right. Well, we'll get it right in. Um, so, uh, another one of our sponsors, um, is Discan Disciples. Uh, Discan Disciples, they, they're just awesome. All right, you need to check them out. Uh. They have a schedule out on UDISC. They play PDGA sanctioned rounds on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Saturdays. It's free to play if you just want to come and hang out. Uh, or you can grab a sanctioned league round pass. Uh, or check out their gear at store.discandisciples.org. They also put on several tournaments throughout the year to help fundraise for various causes, both in the disc golf community and beyond. There is... Uh, Mostly what I've seen is flex starts available. Um, they just had one this past weekend. Mm-hmm. So if you see them on disc, if you see uh, this symbol anywhere, Disc and Disciples. Oh. Come on, camera. Camera does not like holographic stamps for some reason. Oh, yeah, it's really hard to see. It's actually easier to see back where it was than yeah. it is right there. Uh, oh well. There you go. It's it's your lights. It's more the lights than the camera. Yeah. Action. Action. Uh-huh. <laughs> lights, camera. That was good. <laughs> it's I can um, myself, you know. But yeah, so definitely check them out. Uh, give them a shout out if you see them anywhere. Uh, rocking any of the merch. Go check out their merch. Um, 
they have really good minis. I know that's a weird thing, but like, I have a bunch of their minis and I love them. <laughs> They're so flexible. That's I, my biggest complaint about my tournament this weekend is I feel like my mini was throwing me off. Yeah. Which gets you a mini you like and they got some. Exactly. Exactly. Check them out. They've got plenty of discs, plenty of minis, plenty of all kinds of merch. Uh, so thank you to uh, Disc and Disciples yeah, for supporting this show. Um, so we got about two more things uh, to talk about. Nothing too grand. Um, no. Do we want to uh, go ahead and preview our hot stove? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Series. Sure. All right. So um, for this next topic, basically, unexpectedly, but not necessarily surprisingly, the hot stove season has started a little bit earlier this year than usual. So um, for anybody who doesn't know what hot stove is, uh, hot stove is a pretty universal term across sports that basically just references the off season and it directly uh, directly references the amount of time or the period of time where people are trading or signing in the off season. So right. players are leaving their former contracts, signing with new teams, or um, you know maybe re-signing with their current teams. And um, most sports call this the hot stove. Disc Golf Network actually has a show called the Hot Stove, which airs pretty much all off season long. So. We will be having basically a, a primary segment throughout the entirety of the offseason, which, if you guys haven't noticed, starts next week. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're going to have a segment every episode, and we'll probably title the episode something along the lines of Tennessee 2's Hot Stove. Um, so the Hot Stove actually started a little bit early this year with two what I would consider to be pretty major signings. Now, they're not major moves. Nobody moved anywhere, in fact, uh, but they were two pretty big signings. Uh, you want to go over the first one? Yeah, so um, the first one uh, is Kyle Klein got elevated to the Sky Team and re, uh, re-upped for another four years, um, following him through to the season of 2027. Um. So that gets him through the season of 2026. Uh, he re-signed with Discmania. Uh, there is no number value, money, monetary value on that. Um, I'd say it's probably a pretty good deal. Um, yeah, and, and for anybody who's wondering, you're like, well, we had two signings this week, and, and neither of them gave us money numbers. Don't be surprised with that going forward. No. Uh, although we are getting more open about pay and the concept of pay in the disc golf community, as of right now, the only players you can truly expect to really be releasing their numbers are players like Paul and Ricky. Um, yeah. You know, the, the 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 number one players in the world kind of players are going to be the ones who will release their money. Um, and then there are also, you know, since it's not a regular thing to release your money numbers yet, uh, you know, even some of the best players in the world might still continue to choose to keep that private. Yeah. So and don't be surprised that we don't get them this offseason because yep. I would say – Nine out of every ten signings, we will not hear anything related to to monetary value. Um, maybe we'll get lucky and get a couple this offseason for both FPO and MPO. Yeah. Maybe. Um, so, yeah, that was the first move. Uh, well, not move. First contract uh, re-up. The second one, uh, extension-wise, the second extension was Mr. Calvin Heimberg. Uh, Calvin got extended for from Innova. All the way through 2027. Um, yeah, five-year contract. Yep, five-year contract. Five contract. And I, 
just speculating, but it had to be worth quite a bit. I it has to be. I know Innova will never release that, but it yeah, Innova's definitely of 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 all of the players who were signing who had to be signing a new contract this year that we know for sure Calvin Heimberg, obviously being one of them and probably the highest profile currently of, of the known expiring contracts. Mm-hmm. If Innova was ever going to release numbers, this would have been the moment. Yeah. Um, I don't see it happening anytime soon. If it wasn't going to be Calvin, Calvin would have been the one that they would have put out there like, Hey man, we're paying our guy. Now, that being said, Calvin, you know, one of the things that are new themes, I guess you could say, that we're seeing in the, in the disc golf throughout the Halt stove is getting representation. And in the articles that we have seen so far, it is clearly noted that Calvin renegotiated his deal for the new contract with a management team and or person. So, yes, this um, was with you can be sh- you can be sure that he's not getting gypped. He's getting paid something is probably better than what Innova has paid out recently to their best players it's probably the best deal that they have ever written for the player um strictly based off the fact that we have the knowledge that he was represented going into the contract negotiations absolutely and i hope he got every dollar that he can truly um yeah now i i mean i have to say going into it one of the things that we saw a lot over the last couple of weeks i don't know if you saw it on instagram um i know you hang out on twitter with me a little bit uh but definitely saw a lot of people speculating knowing that it was a contract year calvin was going here or going here or calvin is definitely winning usdgc right. and then he's going to be dropping innova immediately you know yeah they didn't let that happen they no. they seen it you know what i mean everybody talked about it they went ahead and got that under wraps before it even became a story yeah well and I, I mean not well i mean that's not true it was all all I mean, over Twitter. I mean, yeah, it was it was a story already, but like imagine yeah, was... three quarters of the way through off season. You know what I mean? As we got, we were waiting for people to could... announce yeah. where they were going. Could have um, been a great money game, though. Oh, it could have been. Just saying. Uh, he could have. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Now, and, and this is why I don't mind the move as it were currently. I had no inkling that he was going to leave Innova, and I will give you one word as to why. I'll give you a chance to guess it actually. Um, There's one word, one reason why he he I knew he was not going to leave Innova. The only only thing I can think of is the destroyer. Absolutely not, Totoro. Oh, why would you develop and release your brand new signature disc two months before you leave? I didn't even know that was his new signature disc. And he co-developed it. Oh, and at the fact that people know about this and we're still saying. He's after USDGC. He's dropping. Maybe like, they didn't know it. Why? Because I didn't. Why, man? Why? Why would he release a brand new signature disc that he co-designed just to leave two weeks later? Yeah. That makes absolutely no sense. Like, I had no inkling that he was going. I had an inkling that he was going to leave Innova halfway through the year. When I heard that he was releasing the Toro, that they were releasing the Toro, and. Uh, if you want to hit the first promo I ever heard of the Toro was actually in one of the Joe Mess rounds. I want to say Maple Hill was the first time I personally heard about the Toro. As soon as he, as soon as that was released, it was immediate. Everything was qualmed. I knew he was returning to Innova. Hmm. Well, see, I didn't know that. Um, As for Kyle Klein, I mean, Kyle Klein was going to, I don't see why he would leave. Where would he go? Uh, he could go anywhere. 
But why? Why not? Make it interesting. I want another off season like last off season. Okay, that's what I want. I mean, I just don't think we're gonna get it. No, I don't either. I and, truly and don't. Here's, here, I think we're gonna have a pretty good off season in terms of movement. I think we're gonna see a lot of stuff. For for one example, we we know for a fact that um, Lone Star Disc is gonna be bringing in players they consider to be top twenty five players. Oh yeah, and that I'm in sure. and of itself means. And, and we, it, this isn't speculation. This is they have told us that they are bringing on players starting next year that they already have negotiations with that they believe are top 25 players. Okay, yeah. They told us on the podcast. So we know that that's already happening. So I think there's going to be a lot of really good movement. There's just not going to be any more rookies this year. And so I don't want to discount that this year could be a really fun year to watch in the offseason just because there's not going to be a rookie. Yeah. But at the same time, there's not going to be a Ricky. Yeah. Well, I don't know. So think about it like this. Think about your who you paid last year, okay? And think about who showed up and showed out this year. So as for, for instance, you had Kona that you paid at Dynamic. Valerie definitely took the show. She's going to get paid. Um. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised necessarily now because they didn't release too many contract details off of players like that. The high-profile players, obviously, the high-profile. Right. Um, Because I don't want to – honestly, I could have predicted from the beginning of the season that Val would have a better season than Kona. And in fact, I think I did say something along those lines. It might not have been on the show, but I I definitely said it. Um, She's going to get paid. She has to get paid. She has to. There's no reason reason yeah. not to. So, you talk about somebody like that. There, I, I, I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but there's always an outside chance that you see her go back to Discraft. I mean, simply because Discraft says, "Hey, where's this she? Is the money? Where, where's she from? Her, I think she's, they're from Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I know, but hey, that would be sick. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, you know, drama already like that. Would just be awesome. we've got one more week essentially to enjoy just recapping. And then after that, we go into the world of make believe for a f- at least a few more months. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> it's scary and it's exciting. I'm just going to give everybody the reminder that, you know, we are never going to spoil something from a direct source that we've heard that they've asked us not to. So if we speculate about anything for the rest of this year, especially related to signings and stuff, it is speculation of things that we may have heard or things that we're feeling, signs that we might be seeing from, you know, social media online sources that are visible to everybody. Right. But you can be sure that we are not going to spoil anything that we have direct knowledge of without permission. So I just want to let everybody know that. Um I, I just I don't want to become the next Hunter Thomas this year, you know, where <laughs> where, you know, he's starting to spew off information from a direct source, whatever the source is, whether it's an actual source or not. And then, you know, he's coming back and apologizing on his very next podcast because he wasn't supposed to say something stupid. Right. Right. We're not going to do that. So just it, with but that, in I mind, am going to make sure that because it's what I do. I speculate. Oh, yeah, I speculate. that's exactly but I just want to remind you guys, once we get into these hot stove episodes, take everything we say with a grain of salt. They are not, you know, this is not the word of God we're speaking on this podcast, <laughs> especially in the hot stove season, okay? 
Yeah. All right. I'm just I'm just putting that out there. But, but uh, I hope you guys all join us for that. It's going to be an awesome time for the rest of this uh, off season. Um, it'll be our first full hot stove season from from yeah. front to finish. Yeah. So we started in the middle. It'll be cool. Uh, last year. Um, yeah, we were late up, to the party last year. Coming up in December, we will we will have been doing this for a year. So yeah. we'll try to get something special together for that. With that in mind, a reminder for you guys as well, for anybody who has listened this far into the podcast, if you guys have recommendations or suggestions on who you want us to interview throughout the offseason, uh, offseason is the best time, especially for players, to do interviews. Yeah. Um, it's much easier for us to reach out to them and set up times with them because they're not traveling you know they're trying to relax and hang out and a lot of them are more than happy to do interviews in the winter time so if you guys have recommendations make sure you get those to us so we can maybe put a little bit of extra effort reaching out to those particular people right absolutely all right i believe that about wraps us up what do you think we want to preview the tour championship for five minutes nah next week all right well then all i'm gonna say is just so anybody is aware if they if they weren't Play-ins happened today. Jeremy Colling, Thomas Gilbert won the play-ins. They will be in the round one tomorrow, which will be the largest round, and then they will uh, start their quarterfinals on Friday. On the FPO side, Haley King, Jessica Weiss won their play-ins. Um, FPO is a smaller field that goes directly to quarterfinals, so they will not be playing tomorrow at all. They will go directly to playing on Friday. Right. Um, and I don't have any predictions anyways, simply because it's the format doesn't allow us to be smart with predictions. Yeah. There's no it's nine nine out of ten chance that we predict a Cinderella story and they get eliminated tomorrow. Yeah, it's very, very possible. Um But that's the reason I we'll just do a recap of it. That way we'll have a full story for you. Um and you know, it it'll be at least a, a good episode. Uh, a no. lengthier episode with us doing it that way. So, um, everybody enjoy themselves while watching the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship. Uh, be sure to root on your favorite player and uh, definitely hit us up on any social medias. Uh, tell us what you think. Tell us who you think's going to win. Uh, let us know your picks. Uh, and, you know, we may just be riding right there with you. Um. Yeah, I'm not rooting for anybody this week. Normally, I kind of have a person I'm like looking at, looking yeah. forward to watching. This week, I'm just I'm gonna watch it and just let what happens happens. I'll probably I'm the same way. I'll like especially because of the way that this format is. I'm probably gonna get into each round and be like, that's the person I want to make it through this round at the very. Yeah, least. I think I might uh, be like that as well. Just and then on the, on the final round. day, whoever whoever wins wins. But uh, you know that'll be it. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, yet again, you know, if you're watching this live or on Facebook afterwards, if you want to listen to the audio versions, those are always, you know, available all over the internet. I, I'm not going to yep. go through all of the places you can find them. Any podcast if you're listening listening to this on, platform. Yeah, and if you're listening to this on an audio platform, just a reminder again, I know I said it in the beginning of the episode, but we are recording this show live on Facebook right at this second. So um, whatever I'm saying right now, it's live. That's why we don't have anything edited out. That's, uh, you know, we give you the, the best organic podcast that we possibly can. Um, and it's even better when you guys are here to hang out and comment and talk to us. So feel free to join us at any time. Um, and I think that's about it for me. Yep. And we're also caught up on the YouTube now. Um 
so that that took a little bit but we're caught up there i had to uh, the recordings were <laughs> very hard to get sorted out but i got it um and now i should not let it get behind again and we will try to stay on top of it i now have an easier way to upload so things got just a little bit better a little bit easier we will uh we'll continue the grind um with that being said y'all have a great rest of your night great rest of your day great rest of your weekend um and enjoy some disc golf get out there go play go throw we will see y'all on the next hole peace